It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.06 on a Saturday morning, 57 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your landscape, however you define success. I am here to help you achieve it. All you have to do is dial the 10 magic digits, 404-872-0750, and we plow through questions and answers right as you wait. Speaking of waiting, we've got uh, Martha in Madison who's been waiting for several minutes. So, Martha, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? Um, my gardening goal is to do no harm to honeybees. Good for you. Which, But last year I had a horrible infestation of stink bugs mm-hmm. and the bone-eyed um, Captain Jack's dead bug brew yeah, sure. will kill a honeybee, too. So sure. I'm wondering if I spray at dusk, Will the honeybees have returned to their hive? Yes, they will. Fantastic Good solution. Good thinking. All right, so for listeners who are not quite following this, stink bugs are a bad thing. <laughs> we don't like stink <laughs> bugs. They get on peaches and plums and other tomatoes. You know, fruiting tomatoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they puncture them, and they make little rotten places all over the fruit. We don't like stink bugs at all. But Martha fortunately loves honeybees, but doesn't want to hurt them with the insecticide that kills the stink bug. And she's using a particular organic insecticide called Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. And spinosad is the stuff that's in it. And spinosad does, it's not 100% on stink bugs. I have to tell you that. Okay. It's only 50 to 75%, really? but it's better than nothing. I'll start early. And yeah, start in the, uh, in the dusk when the bees have all returned to the hive and the stink bugs are still on the fruit at that time. And spray it. You can wash the insecticide off when you harvest the fruit. No problem. And the bees are a lot happier. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be of service to you, Martha. Thanks. Bye. I'll see you. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Martha's place. Cecil is out in Norcross, Georgia, and Cecil joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Cecil, good morning. Good morning to you. Hey, man, what's up? Nematodes. Ooh, bad thing. What do you do with them? Well, first we explain to our listening audience what a nematode is. And there are good ones and bad ones, and that is important to understand. Nematodes are microscopic little teeny-weeny worms that live in the soil. Some of them attack plant roots, and they burrow in and cause the plant root to not and not be able to absorb nutrients and water like it should. Some of them, on the other hand, can be insectophagous, which means they eat insects. And so there are nematodes that are spread for uh, Japanese beetle grub control and two or three other insects that can be controlled with nematodes. And so you have to get the ones, if you're trying to control insects, the ones that control the insect that you want to control. But nematodes in a garden, like on beans and tomatoes and okra, will just knot them up so badly you won't hardly get any fruit off of those vines. So how do you know you have nematodes? That's the question, Cecil. Well, I pulled up the tomato plants and knots, Uh big knots, just Uh all them. Huh. That sounds pretty pretty certain is what I would say, Cecil. Yeah. Um, do do me a favor, just for the curiosity and education of the whole deal. Take some pictures of your tomato 
knotted roots, put it on a piece of newspaper on a neutral surface like a concrete or something like that, and take some pictures with your cell phone and send those to the Gwinnett County Extension Office and say, Mr. Daly, Tim Daly, my friend over there, Mr. Daly, do you think this looks like nematodes on my tomatoes? And if he says, yep, I think it is, then you'll take his word for it. And at that point, I'll give you some remedies that are more environmental than they are insecticidal because, frankly, there are no nematicides anymore. The one nematicide that was available back, I don't know, 20 years ago, I guess, uh, was shown to cause the workers in the plant to have problems with their reproductive ability, I'll put it that way. And so that was quickly taken off the market. So the only way of controlling nematodes now is simply to enrich the soil so much that the competing nematodes kill or, or suppress, I guess, the bad nematodes. So for that reason, what you do is you take the diseased or nematode-infested tomatoes up, you retill the garden soil, and you add organic matter to it, make it the richest, bestest environment for a nematode or any kind of plant even to grow in, and plant your tomatoes in that. Or here's a, another way that I have used myself in a place where I had some um, a blight problem, basically it was a disease that I had on my tomatoes. And so I dug a nice wide area, excavated all the soil out of it. So you took every speck of soil out of this area. It was probably two feet wide and 12 inches deep and filled it full of a really good, rich garden bagged soil that I got from the garden center. And the tomatoes grew in it fine. And my theory was that the infested soil around this hole could stay on that side of the hole, whereas the soil that was in the hole would be something the tomatoes could thrive in, which they did. And so you could do the same thing, dig a big wide hole to uh, excavate and then put good, good, good garden bagged soil in there and put your tomatoes in that. All right. All right. Thank you kindly. That's all I got. No nematicides oh, available unless you <laughs> don't choose to have any children, which you probably you don't at this point <laughs> in your life, Cecil, but uh, you oh, can't mate. get that nematode stuff anymore. Nematox, it was called. And no, we don't have that anymore. Let's go to uh, Jack up in Woodstock. Jack joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Brother Jack, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Okay. Uh, last fall, for the first time, I bought uh, snapdragons yeah. and put them in pots on my front porch. And uh, believe it or not, they made it all the way through the winter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it stayed green, which was surprising as well. But what they're doing is they're coming up uh, like a couple of inches, and then they lay over. Yeah. And then the, the plant will turn back up, uh, <laughs> and I get my blooms up there. Okay. And they're acting like the, the bloom is too heavy for the stem and is leaning them way over, leaning them back over. Sometimes they're even breaking off. They continue to grow. Oh, yeah. It didn't break off completely. Yeah. And they continue to grow and stay green. Uh, but I've never had uh, snapdragons before, and I'm not quite sure how to deadhead them. Should I cut the stem off or just cut the, uh, I, I guess it would be the hemp, well, they're uh, still blooming the now. Should I cut the hip off? Or? They're still blooming now, aren't they, Jack? Uh, yeah, they're still blooming, but I'm not getting nearly the blooms off of them that I 
think I should. Well, they'll fade as the temperatures heat up during the day. When it gets into the 80s like today, that's when snapdragons begin to give up the ghost and not be not be blooming anymore. So, frankly, I would not worry about them particularly other than enjoying the flowers while they last. When they're yep. ugly, cut the whole thing down, end of story. And the reason for them flopping over and then turning up again I bet was because the soil was a little bit rich for them, and so you had some real lush, immediate growth, which wasn't really thick enough and, and, and heavy-duty yeah. enough to support the top of the, of the branch and so, or top of the stem, and so it just flopped over. And then when it got a little less nutrients in the soil, it grew straight up. But, uh, you know, that's water under the bridge right now. Jack, I'd leave it alone and enjoy what you got and plant some more snaps next uh, next fall. Okay. So you're saying they're not going to bloom well through the summer? No. No, 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 no. Once in a while, I'll see somebody that has snapdragons in a real shady place that gets just the right amount of sun, and they seem to be pretty happy doing that, but it's not it's not frequently that I see that. Most of the oh. time, you just pull them up the same time you do uh, pansies. Oh, okay, I see. So they're, they're well, see, my, my house face is dead west. <laughs> yeah, they're not so going to last very long. They're not going to be last that long. afternoon sun. I'd probably be better off just to replace them. You got it. Okay, that's what I needed to hear. Thanks a lot. You bet, Jake. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. And now we got Jake. Jake is in Tacoa and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jake, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fabulous well. How can I help? Well, I've... I've planted tomato plants last year and I think they had leaf roll virus. So what I did is to keep my wife happy is I constructed raised beds and brought the soil from another part of my property and planted the tomato plants in this raised planter. But now the leaves are rolling again. So I'm kind of <laughs> at a loss for how many different avenues I can explore. Well, the first news is if it is truly the the condition we call leaf roll, it doesn't hurt the tomato plant. It's just the tomato plant rolling its leaves up to protect itself from hot sunshine. Some varieties do it more than others. Some of the big boy type varieties that have pretty wide leaves will do it. And so if you've got tomato leaf roll, the classic tomato leaf roll, it is again just physiologic and doesn't hurt the tomato plant. Okay. Do the leaves turn yellow? Do they drop off? Is there any other symptom that would worry you about it? No. Uh, the only thing is, you know, the top portion of the plant, um, the leaves almost look bulbous once they get turned into themselves, you know? Hmm. The bulbous part would might concern me. Is there any weed and feed or weed spray or even mulch from the hay field been put around those tomatoes? Nothing at all. Nothing That's at all, good. and I I don't use any any kind of insecticides on the garden yeah. because I I have some beehives at my house. Sure, so. yeah, no insecticides there. Tell you what, dude, just for homework, Jake, look on my website. Go to WalterReeves.com and look on my website and type the words herbicide damage or herbicide tomato might be even better, and look at the pictures of what. It, it looks like when tomatoes have some weed and feed sprayed nearby and gets on the tomato leaves, or when mulch that's been contaminated with weed, weed killer in the, in the hay field has come in contact with a tomato plant, because it is very, very noticeable and very characteristic and classic symptoms. And I want you just to compare it, make sure your tomatoes don't have any of those symptoms on it. And that, if that's the case, still, no worry about the roll, no worry about the bulbous stuff at the top. All righty. Thank All right. you. 
Thanks for calling, Jake. 404-872-0750 is my number. We'll be back after this. One step beyond. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Come on, get that saxophone going in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Pretty much a pretty nice day outside today for gardening. Highs in the mid-80s. Breezy sometimes this afternoon. Highs, well, lows tonight going into the mid-40s. Chilly overnight. Pretty day tomorrow as well. Not much rain in the forecast. Awesome weekend for gardening once again. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Mark in Brazelton, Georgia, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mark. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. What's up? Well, I was uh, uh, did something a little different this year in my backyard. I planted rye in the fall uh-huh. uh, with a little overseeded fescue, and in the spring, of course, did the normal maintenance and uh, threw out my rebel seed. All right. And now I have a brown backyard. Oh. That's after lime fertilizer and everything. Yeah, that's where all the ryegrass died. Mm, correct. Mm, and we shouldn't have put the ryegrass down in the fall is what we shouldn't have done there, Brother Mark. Yes, sir. I know I know it's tempting. I know that <laughs> ryegrass germinates a little faster than fescue does. And when you're looking at an ugly backyard, you think, I'm going to put something that'll be green in just a couple of weeks. And then you put the ryegrass in the fall, sure. But ryegrass and fescue both fight like tooth and nail with each other during the wintertime, and by summertime, the rye will die. It cannot stand heat, and when 80 degrees arrive, rye goes away. What's left? A few weakened strands of fescue, and even though you planted some rebel seed back a few months ago, uh, the rebel didn't take all that well, doesn't sound like. So right. here's Mark looking at ugly all over. <laughs> yes, sir. Mm-hmm. What are we going to <laughs> Are you able to water? How big is this area, Mark? Uh, I am able to water. It's only, uh, it's probably just shy of 20,000 square foot. Well, my friend, if you want something green, <laughs> uh, you either plunk down the money for sod, put sod down, or you plunk down the money for some more fescue and do a nice quick aeration before you plant the fescue seed and water appropriately in the summertime. Fescue is going to be really sad in July unless you're watering once a week, maybe a little bit more often than that to keep the fescue yes. happy. But that's the so only way I, I see do. to get green. Okay. All right. So, re-sow the fescue. Aerate first. I want lots of little holes out there so the fescue seed can drop into it and germinate and be protected from sunshine and maybe a little bit from drying out as well. That is going to give some success. Plant fescue in the fall, no rye, and let's see what we can make this next year. Lesson learned. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, Mark. Thanks for calling. It's 827 and a half. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. Lawn and Garden.
Morning Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.36. It is 60. Whoa, it's going up now. 60 degrees already, so it's bopped up around 4 degrees just in the last 30 minutes. Going up into the mid-80s this afternoon. Very, very nice day to be outside and a very, very nice day to visit your local Pike Nursery where you can get the garden expertise that you need. Gardening without guesswork, of course, there. And you can buy something on sale, and that is the main thing we want to talk about this morning with my friend Mickey Gazaway from Pike Nursery. Good morning, Mickey. Good morning, Walter. How are you? And y'all do such an awesome job choosing the plants that you put on the Pike Pick for the weekend sale. What is our Pike Pick this weekend? This week it's um, daylilies. Knock it out of the park is exactly the right time. We've got some beautiful ones. Yeah. I mean, some, we've got some different ones that nobody else has. There's there's a group of them called Trophy Takers, uh-huh. and they are fantastic. They're beautiful. They're, they bloom along. There's a whole different bunch of different ones. There's a purple one and a red one and a uh, kind of a red one and an orange one. Yeah. They're, they're really pretty. Awesome. And you got the regular Stella Dora, which has started blooming now. Yeah, we've got a... Um, one called Fragrant Returns now. It's like the Happy Returns is yeah. one kind of like style, but it smells real good. How does it smell, Mickey? Mm-hmm. It, does, it smells sweet. It's got a good smell. And it's called Fragrant Returns. Fragrant Returns. And you know yeah. how I love fragrance in the garden. Yeah, me too. And you know how I hate plants that just die on you without looking twice and how daylilies never die with, That's right. with any problem at all. So why am I not going to Toco Hill you Nursery to get me some returns. fragrant well, Annie, returns? You need a fragrant returns. And I get my 20% discount. Yes, you do. All I have to do is go to the cashier and say, this is Walter and Mickey's Pike Pick of the Weekend, 20% off. You got it. Awesome. I'll be doing that. Now, what about classes today? Today, we've got one on tropicals. And so, tropical plants, I'm sure. tropical plants, and it's, um, the there's, um, like, bougainvillea, mandevillea, and hibiscus. There's yeah. some really pretty. Caladiums and elephant ears and all yeah. those things like yeah. that, I'm sure. And palms. We've got palms. Oh, nice. We've got hardy palms, and we've got tropical palms. And so, we'll tell you about all of them when you come in for the class. I think not a lot of people realize how hardy the windmill palm is. Oh, yeah. Oh, windmill palm. Good heavens. They can stand below zero degrees, and you can have a palm-like tropical atmosphere around the pool, around the front of the house, using windmill palms. They look great, and they I never love that look yeah, and you can use the, like the hardy banana you uh-huh, can do that that uh-huh, gives you uh-huh. that same look fatsias that gives you the same look um but those really aren't tropicals the real tropicals are like the hibiscus and the mandevilla and some of those and so we're going to mix all those up and show you how to create a little space that really 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 looks like the island pretty pretty nice and we have a few daylilies around the base of these plants yeah, these big absolutely. plants too daylilies are good anywhere that's a nice thing all right so let's summarize we got daylilies all daylilies on sale all pike nursery locations all you have to do is load up your cart get some soil conditioner in there and a little bit of sure start to help them along and go up to the cashier and say these daylilies are 20% off and I want my discount right now thanks to Mickey Gazaway at Pike Nursery pretty you much got it. pretty much that something pretty good summary right Mickey yeah you got it you did good <laughs> Mickey I went through Alabama this past week guess what oh, I saw God. 
I saw all sorts of Roll Tide Alabama <laughs> University of and things like that. And I thought, soon, 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 that football season will begin. Mickey and I will start talking about football a little bit during our during our visits on Saturday. Absolutely. Mickey, it's great talking to you once again. You and too. I hope everybody will be at the class. It starts at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock today for class on Tropicals, all Pike Nursery locations, which we would find by going where, Mickey Gasway? PikeNursery.com. You got it. Go back Lady to work. Carter. Tell Thank people you. we said, Bye. hey, at Pike Nursery, a lovely place to go. And uh, Fragrant Returns, don't buy Fragrant Returns until Walter gets there today. Let's go to the phones. we got Linda, who joins us from Ackworth, Georgia. Hey, Linda. Good morning. Hey. Hey. How are you, Walter? Good, you know what? Good I'm good fine. To talk to you. How can I help, Linda? Well, I last year I had grown my tomatoes from seed. It was no particular variety. It just happened to be a, a, a farm market bought tomato. Okay. The plants were gorgeous. I had like 50 green tomatoes on all of my plants. And then when they started to ripen, they never turned red. They basically went into a, almost like a pale pinkish orange yeah. and got brown spots all over them. It wasn't a, a blossom end rot. It was the brown spots were all over, and the fruit was totally inedible. Eey. Now, yeah, so I don't know. Is it a fungus? I don't want the same thing to happen again this year. I'll give you two things that might be working together on your tomatoes okay. to make them look so ugly. Number one, if they were ripening or trying to ripen during a time when it was really hot during the summertime, when it gets above 90 degrees, that tremendously slows down the reddening process on a tomato fruit. And that's okay. why I don't recommend, unless you're a real expert, I don't recommend um, suckering tomatoes, which means taking off some of the foliage to make your tomatoes bigger. I think uh -huh. many times in Georgia you need the foliage to shade the fruit to keep it from getting up above 90 degrees and slowing down the, the reddening process. Okay. So that's partially, I think, why they didn't turn red. Number two. All the brown spots on the tomato very, very likely were caused by stink bugs. That's exactly what their damage looks like. Little brown spots where they stick their dirty little noses in through the skin, and it makes a hard, inedible, sometimes stinky little cone of destruction on the tomato, and they become, you can't eat a tomato after a stink bug gets on them pretty badly. So what do we do? Number one. Uh, don't take any foliage off your tomatoes when you when you are raising them. But number two, and even I have known people who put umbrellas over the top of their tomatoes to make sure they didn't get too uh, didn't get too hot. And the other thing is to control stink bugs from the very get-go. And they are hard to control when they're adults, but right now the stink bug early nymphs are only about an eighth of an inch long, and that is a susceptible time. So spray the tomatoes with Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew, which is an organic insecticide. Okay. And uh, spray once every seven to ten days, whatever the label says. And if you control stink bugs and give yourself some shade on the tomato fruit, I think you're going to have tomatoes this year, Linda. All right. Sounds perfect. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful All day. All right. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks for calling. 43 minutes past the hour. Who's next? Uh, Robert in Dunwoody, Georgia, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Robert. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm all right. What's up? Uh, my wife and I are enjoying your show out on our deck this morning. Two <laughs> questions. A, a question, please. Yes, sir. Uh, considering buying the uh, mosquito service for the backyard uh -huh. it kills mosquitoes but i'm also concerned am i going to uh, kill beneficial insects what, what what are your thoughts on one on, on doing it or just keeping the mosquitoes and slapping them i don't think you need to slap mosquitoes but i don't think you need the misting service and i'll tell you why 
missing services, no matter how they couch their claims about whether they hurt beneficial insects or not, yes. if it is an insecticide that they're using, insecticides kill insects, which is bees, butterflies, mosquitoes, stink bugs, probably not. But they, right. they do kill some beneficial insects. And then the spraying services talk about how they time things so that they only time at a certain time of day so the beneficials are not out there. That may or may not be supported by research. Beneficials are always present. They may not be visible, but they're present in the landscape. Honeybees maybe go back into their hive, but butterflies and some of the others stick around. They just roost in places, and they can be affected by insecticide, too. Um, the other thing that I don't like about misting is, I mean, particularly the ones, and this is probably not what you have in mind, but the uh, services where they put a big drum of insecticide in one corner of the yard, you have these little misting nozzles all over the yard. They, I believe, can be can drift onto other things they ought not to be drifting onto because they have a timer on it. And you have yeah. to make sure the kids aren't out there, the dogs aren't out there, your neighbors aren't out there, so no drift comes on places you don't want it to be. And for that reason, I got two suggestions for you, because I do sure. not like to get bitten by mosquitoes, Robert. I don't like it. So I'll and, give you two suggestions. I well thought when I get them. When I yeah, get yeah, me too. Number one, I don't like the feel of DEET. It's greasy. It just doesn't smell right. Don't like DEET at all, the repellent. Right. But I do love the feel of a newer type of repellent called picaridin. And I don't have any brand names. You're going to have to look on Amazon and just say picaridin. It'll tell you which ones uh, have the picaridin in it. It repels mosquitoes just as well as DEET, but it does not feel greasy. It smells good. It's just a little light mist. And I use picaridin. I have three bottles scattered around the landscape in my house, in my yard, I mean. And when I go out, if I feel like mosquitoes are going to bite me, spray my arm, spray my leg. Don't have any mosquito bites. Put a bottle there on the deck where you and your wife can enjoy it. Good. No problem there. And number two, on the deck, you've got an electrical outlet right near you there. You Correct. can get one of those pedestal fans that goes back and forth and back and forth, and they will blow mosquitoes away like a charm. And that's all you have to do, just blow them away on the deck. Spell the chemical for me you're speaking of. Picaridin, P-I-C-A-R-I-D-I-N, Picaridin, Picaridin. The, the first letter, P is in Peter? P like Peter, yep. Covered. Picaridin. You've been helpful. I'm doing my best. Thank you. You bet. You and the wife have a good time out there on the date, Robert. Will do. We'll Bye -bye. see you soon. It's 846. We've got time, I'm sure, to get David in here. David's out in Fayetteville, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. David, hey, man, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Reed. How are you, sir? I'm fabulous well. How can I help? Okay, I have a couple of things. One thing is my Myers lemon tree. I talked to you back last summer about one side of it uh, had started to crack. Uh-oh. All right. All right. Well, uh, about midsummer uh, last year, uh, one side of it started taking off and growing. Okay. On this the back side of the bark. Okay. Um, uh, took it inside. This year I've got uh, probably eight lemons, a little bit bigger than golf balls. Backside of the tree is like brand, you know, it's just like a new tree growing. All right, lemons, awesome. Lemons, so uh, the half of the tree is nothing but dead bark. All right. So, what's your question? Do I need to get rid of as much of that dead bark as I can, or just leave it like it is? 
you know, my feeling is leave it like it is. There's not a lot of rot that's going to happen on the on the uh, Meyer lemon, even leaving the bark there. If it starts flaking off, okay, you can flip it off with your thumbnail if you want to. But it seems to me like that the bark is going to be protecting the – or the bark is going to protect the trunk from the sunshine. And you've got it outside, don't you, David? Yes. I think you need a little bit of protection from the sunshine outside. I'd leave the bark where it is. Okay, so my tree is just going to keep growing over the dead wood? Bind it up so it doesn't split any further and uh, let it grow over the dead wood. It'll do its best to do that. It'll heal itself as, as long as you have a, you know, water it during the summertime and feed it a little bit here and there. I think, yeah, it's going to try to heal itself as well as it can. And it does not want to be sun scorched, and that's what you risk by taking the bark off. Yeah. Okay, and then my next quick wait, question. Wait, 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 wait. I can't do another question. Say, say David, i got to get out. Okay, Mr. Reed. Thank you so much, sir. It's great talking to you, David. Thanks for calling. It's 848. We'll be back after this. Check back often for breaking news, weather, and construction traffic updates at WSB and the WSB Radio app all weekend. And join us first thing Monday for Atlanta's morning news for triple team traffic coverage and a chance of rain in the five-day forecast. Where do you get these songs? Where did that bug spray song come from? The internet is more than a depository for questionable materials. Uh, well, you got the questionable music on there sometimes, Scott. I do appreciate that. Don't forget your quick weather update from Ackerman Security. It's going to be a beautiful day. Breezy sometimes this afternoon. Highs in the 80s. Overnight, the lows in the upper 40s. A little bit chillier than you would expect, but it's going to be a very nice day and tomorrow and not a whole lot of rain in the forecast, which is something we should sort of look forward to. We need some rain right now. Your full weekend forecast comes with 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And today is the Captain Herb Memorial Motorcycle Ride, and Ashley Frasca is going to be there today. Tell us about Ash. The third annual where it benefits Toys for Tots, one of his beloved charities that he worked so hard for in our big Christmas event, of course, too, that this all builds up to. But Fred's Barbecue House, Lithia Springs, right off I-20. Now, if you're headed that way to see the traffic team today, you may encounter a few delays. Veronica Harrell's been telling you about the crazy paving project that's affecting the West Freeway out there. But we would love to see you. Kickstands up at 11. You take a nice scenic route around Douglas County. They've got it all plotted out for you. Traffic team will be there starting about 10 o'clock, just hanging out with folks. Really looking forward to it. And Karen's going to be there, too, to benefit the first foundation. Yep, Miss Karen Emery. She's going to have her, her fundraiser kind of off to the side. It's going to be an arts and crafts show that's there at Fred's. Vendors set up their booths, and, and their booth registration fees go to benefit the First Foundation of Douglas County. Everybody that participates in the motorcycle ride and T-shirt sales and all that kind of thing, that benefits Toys for Tots. So we know the WSB listeners are just so strong and, and so close to Captain Herb that this is an event they love to come to. That's uh, Fred's Barbecue House. That's Lithia right. Springs. A lo lovely place to be out there. And Ashley Frasco will be there to hang out with you. And she could even answer garden questions. Hey, I'll try. And political questions, political, too. Political. Tell what we Herb can do it thinks, all. what Walter thinks. Ashley will take it there. She'll do it all. It's been my pleasure this morning to work with Ashley Frasca, who screen calls and answered a bunch of garden questions off the air. Scott Maxson finds that questionable music which always amuses and keeps us on the air and smiling at the same time. 
If you didn't get your question answered today, of course, go to WalterReeves.com. Follow me on Pinterest, on Twitter. Look at my Facebook page if you think that might be interesting. And sign up for my email newsletter. Otherwise, I'll see you right here next Saturday for another edition of Lawn Garden. Thank you.